this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. If you turn to your Bibles, Matthew 14, we're going to be right there today. And today I want to talk to you about loving and living like Jesus. This is not a typical Mother's Day message, but I don't think we need that. I think we need to, I think we need to learn about more about Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but every day I wake up, I'm like, I want to be more like you, Lord. I, don't, I want to be less like me and more like you, because that's what this life with him is all about. It's not just being saved and being a Christian. It's about being a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, does what he says, hears what he says, applies it, and we're being changed. The Bible says that he's making us more like him day by day, faith to faith, right? That's what this is all about. And so following Jesus is a life of serving others, following the example of the greatest servant of all. I want to look at his life today, and this is just one day. Everybody say one day. This is just one day in his life to just discover the way he loved others, the way he put their needs above his own. And you know what? As a mom, I will just say <laughs> every single day of my life, it's a challenge to constantly put other people's needs above my own. And you know what? Sometimes this world is like, take time for you. What about you? What about you? And we're getting these like constant mixed messages because Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me will take up his cross, will deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. If anyone desires to save his life, he'll lose it. But anyone who finds his life, for it, you, you, anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. So there's been this constant since day one, I feel like for me, of becoming a mom, which was 18 and a half years ago. That sounds really old. Um, <laughs> do I look that old? No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't answer. Don't answer. Don't answer. Especially my kids don't answer. Listen, 18 and a half years ago, that's a daily thing for me. And if you're a parent or if you care about, you care for the needs of other people, you take care of other people, that is a constant thing that comes up is, Lord, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about me. And it makes life hard. But when we do what Jesus says, it makes, you find your life. This is where you find your life. So Matthew 14, we're going to start there. Uh, let's read 13, verse 13 and 14 together. And this is right when Jesus, it starts the verse, when Jesus heard it. This is right when the disciples came to Jesus and told him that John the Baptist had been beheaded and killed. And the disciples had, had gone and got his body and wrapped it. And it was, I mean, this was, for him to have heard this and the emotions, I can only... I can only imagine. I don't know anyone personally who's been killed like that, much less somebody close to you. I mean, this was somebody very, very close to Jesus. And so verse 13, it says this, when Jesus heard it, that John the Baptist had been killed, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. 
But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And I just have, we're going to keep reading in this chapter, but I have three things that I really want to point out today that I think are going to impact our hearts. You know, I didn't, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, aspired speaker. <laughs> I've said that before when I've shared the word. This is just, I'm not trying to put something together for you. This is from the Lord that he gave me that I want to give you today. And this first thing I want to point out in these two verses is that Jesus sees us. He sees us. It says this, and when Jesus went out, he saw, he saw the people. Jesus was grieving for John the Baptist. He tries to get away by himself. <laughs> Everybody say by himself. Oh, I like to be by myself. I don't know about you. But to be grieving and have to be around people, that's like a whole different level of selflessness to me. A whole different level. Because when you're grieving somebody that you love, the last thing you want to do is be around people. But Jesus saw the people. He saw them. And he sees us today. And it says he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. So Jesus saw them. But he also met their needs. He stopped. He did not put his own turmoil. Right? His own pain. His own depths of grieving. I mean, think about it. You know, the, I love when the Bible says that. Think about it. Behold, look, catch this. He was in the midst, like it, sorrow, deep sorrow. If you felt that before, he was in deep sorrow. And he sees these people and he's moved. What is moving? Is that an action word? He did something about it. He was moved with compassion and healed their sick. It's so much easier to draw away. So much easier to close up, especially when you're going through the darkest times in your life. But Jesus saw them, and he was moved with compassion to the point of action that he healed. He, heal he went and healed these people. Two things that caught my attention, the multitudes, check this out, it says, but when the multitudes heard it, what did they hear? They heard where Jesus was, and they followed him. I mean, I could only imagine wanting to, like, run, you know, thinking of Jesus, like, wouldn't you be like, so they're, they're following me. Make them stop following me. I'm, I need to go grieve. I need to be alone. I need to be by myself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot. You know why? And this, this is for our hearts today. Because they were desperate for Jesus. They went after him. Because they needed a touch from him. So they went after him. We need to do that. Are we desperate for Jesus? Because this multitude... Of people that needed him, they heard where he was going. Do we hear where Jesus is? Does that make sense? Are we listening 
for his voice? Are we hearing, Lord, where are you? I'm desperate for you. We're not just, we're not just desensitized in our world and go, well, I guess if God wants to touch me, he'll touch me. No, the multitudes heard it. They went after him. They followed him. They, they were desperate for him. And we need to be desperate for Jesus because he sees us and he wants to heal us. And then the other thing that caught my attention was just like Jesus, we need to see people in need. And we need to be moved with the compassion of God to stop and love them, to pray for them, even in the midst of our own pain, in the midst of our own, when we're at the darkest, at the lowest point. I'm telling you, that's where I believe God wants to do the greatest miracles, is when we say, Lord, I lose my life, and I'm not going to ignore what you have for me. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to embrace it. You know, having grown up in ministry, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a PK you don't know what that is? Sometimes I say it on the down low. Yeah, I'm a PK. That's a pastor's kid. So my dad was a pastor my whole life. Actually, my uncle's in the back back there, my dad's youngest brother. Woo-woo. And uh, I think he remembers those days of my dad really first pastoring and pioneering a brand new church. And uh, I was a little kid. It was awesome. I also married into a ministry family. David's eight years older than me, and both of his brothers were in the ministry when I met all of them. So I married into this whole ministry family, which was awesome. It's been amazing. I've seen so many behind-the-scenes days, and I want to testify about something because it's not perfect. No leader, no pastor, no church. We're not perfect. There's not one on the face of this planet that's perfect, (laughs) let me tell you. There's not one man, not one leader, not one pastor, not one speaker. There is nobody who is perfect. We get to all be in the same boat in that. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's why we get Jesus, and he's our testimony. But you know what I've been so blown away at? And I can think of so many stories with my parents, with my Dearman family, and the ministers that I've known, and I've seen this time and time again, that so many people don't know their dark days, haven't seen what they've walked through, the turmoil they've fought, the grief that they've walked through losing somebody close to them, somebody in their congregation, a son, a daughter, and they haven't seen it. And they've ministered to people in the midst of it. And it reminded me, when I was reading this story, it reminded me of all the people I know in my life who have ministered like this because of Jesus and him being our example of loving and serving other people. And you know what? It's not just ministers. We're all ministers. We're all called to do this. We are all called to rise above. You know, the enemy loves to prey on us at our most vulnerable and take us out so when we're going through this stuff oh when we're going are you are you listening to me today when we're going through the the valley of the shadow of darkness the bible says in psalm 23 i will fear no evil for you are with me so there's so much 
There's so much that Jesus sees us. We're going to go on to point two. I'm going to read this passage to you, verses 15 through 23 in the same chapter. Look at it in your Bible. It says, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, okay, wait, we got to read this whole passage. I lost my place because I went on a little rabbit trail. Here we go. Jesus saw compassion for them, healed their sick. Okay, verse 15, I was in the right place. When it was evening... Okay, so there's all this crowd around him that had followed him, and now he's healed all their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate. Everybody say, all ate. And were filled. Say, were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full Of the fragments that remained, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men. 5,000 men besides women and children, which I think that's kind of rude, but okay. (laughs) They didn't count the women and children, what? Just kidding. 5,000 men. Immediately, Jesus made, immediately, okay, they all ate, they were full. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes Away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. There's so many things I could point out in this, in this passage right here. But listen, not only was it a deserted place, but it was already late. And Jesus tells his disciples, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They let him know, this is all we have. Disciples, right? Doesn't that sound like something we would say? This is all we have. How are we going to feed these people with this? This is all we have. But Jesus, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And sometimes we think, God, this is all I have. Why bother giving it, right? This is all I have. So I'm just going to sink back and draw back and not give it because this is all I have. What can you do with this? What can he do with this five loaves and two fish? What could he do with what we have if we would just offer it? Look to heaven. You know when he says look to heaven, that Jesus looked to heaven? That it, I, I just can't help but think that dependency on God. He looked to heaven. Because he's like, I trust you. You got this. He looked to heaven because he was fully dependent fully dependent on God. He looked to heaven, bless it. So what could God do with that? If we would just offer it to him, he would, he would do phenomenal things with what we have. Some of us have already experienced that to a certain extent, but there's more. If we keep giving God what we have and we look to heaven and we bless it, and we let it be broken, and we give it, there will be supernatural things that happen. Because this, what happened? 
on the green grass where Jesus sat all these people was supernatural. That is not normal to take five loaves and two fish and feed thousands of people with it and have 12 baskets left over. I, I wish I, I, I want to see that. But you know what? We can. We can see it. We can see it if we'll do what the Bible says. We can see it. So it says this. Um, let me go back to this real quick. And then I love this where Jesus immediately, after this, they were all full. Which I love, I love these little things the Bible points out. It doesn't say they just ate. It said they were full. God doesn't just feed us a little bit. He doesn't just let go. Here's a crumb for you. Here's a little, you know, I could just imagine if we were, if we were taking the five loaves and two fish and trying to divide it just with us. Here's your ration. Here's your... But he, they were all full. And there was 12 baskets left over. I love these little, these little details that the Bible points out because we gotta, we got to catch them. Not just here, but here. we got to catch them here that Jesus feeds us full, overflowing, with more left over. Amen? And I love this. It says, um, immediately after this happened, Jesus made his disciples, he's like, get into the boat, go to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. So there's this like, after they were all full, it was like, it's over. You've been, now it's time for this all to, I need to go be alone. And I love that because there's a time for that. It's not a thing of like, when Jesus says, when you lose your life, you'll find it for my sake, that he doesn't fully take care of us. Like to where we don't ever get to be alone or we don't ever, you know, like our needs aren't ever met. That's not how God works. He meets every need. You know, I love the scripture that says, seek First, the kingdom of righteousness. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you'll have all the things. But it's that trusting God and not taking care of ourselves, but letting God take care of it. And it's a hundred times better. It's a hundred times better when we lose our lives to find it. For Jesus, like we cannot take care of ourselves like He does, but we think. See, our, our, we keep we keep falling back into this mindset of I got to take care of me, and I could really relate to that, like as a mom, because our society is constantly telling us, like, you need to take time for you, and you need to da 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 da, and that's that's true, but I think it's twisted. I think it's selfish. I think it's like, you know, there's this message like, you're never going to be, if you never do that, then you're just going to run yourself ragged. Well, not with Jesus. If I do it his way, I actually get it all. Instead of just trying to take care of me. And then I'm going to take care of me and still be depleted because there's only one that can satisfy me. There's only one that can satisfy our hearts, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus, and it's his way. 
And it's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. You could try. It's not going to work. And the Bible says just preach the word. So that's just the word. I'm just preaching the word today. I'm declaring Jesus is the way. There's the way. Are there many ways? Yeah. There's a lot of different ways. Do they work? Absolutely not. And I, I would say don't try them. I would say go with, go with Jesus' plan. Young people, you would be wise to not waste your time trying to find another way. And just surrender your heart to Jesus because it's inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. Amen? It's going to happen at some point because he's the only way. He is. Um, I was just going to say with feeding, Jesus feeds us. I know all about feeding humans. I know you guys know I have three teenage boys. They are hungry. 23 and a half hours of every single day. They are hungry. They eat a lot. One in particular who I will not name is like a bottomless pit. And I will get phone calls in the middle of my day because, you know, they do a lot of online school. So they're, you know, home and then doing things and out and practices and gym and all that stuff. But I'll get calls. And usually I know this is what it goes like. There's nothing to eat. It's like a panic voice. I'm like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? I'm starving. There's nothing to eat. I'm like, oh, did you know you got to like open the fridge and you got to open the pantry and you got to pull out the bread. You got to pull out and heat it up or you got to put some, slap some peanut butter and jelly on that or whatever you got to do to fill up. But that's not, you know, sometimes it's not what we want, right? We want... We want mom to make us something. We don't want to do that. It's too much work. It's too much work. But you know, I'm reminded, even if you you just have three tortillas and some peanut butter in your pantry or your fridge, it's amazing how moms can, like, make that a gourmet meal. You know? (laughs) Like, they'll make it, and it'll be like, oh, that looks disgusting, but... A mom makes it, and it's like, oh, (laughs) I didn't know we had that. I didn't know we had that. (laughs) Right, moms? (laughs) It was always amazing to me how my parents, my mom could do that. I'm like, oh, it's just better when they make it than me. Enjoy your mom, everyone. (laughs) Or aunt or whoever you have in your life that does that. But if we would bless that, like Jesus, if we bless what we have, it's better. We don't curse it. We need it. He, it's, he said he blessed, and then he broke it, and he gave it. If we'll bless what we have and stop cursing what we have, it'll multiply. It'll be given. It'll be incredible. Do you believe it? But I'm, I'm with the disciples on this one. I love that they said, it's a deserted place and it's late. I love when my my kids were little and I have a seven-year-old too. But I love like right when it's time to go to bed and they're like, oh, those cursed words. I'm hungry. 
sorry. And you're like, you're like ready to pray for him in bed. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Ah! And I mean, there's just been some nights where I'm like, I don't care. You go to sleep. <laughs> you go to sleep. I do not care. You can eat and drink in the morning. <laughs> Amen. All the... I know everyone can relate to this. Those disciples, just by what they said, they were hungry and tired themselves, don't you think? But Jesus, he wasn't thinking about himself. He fed them. It just blows me away, though, that Jesus saw these people, and then he fed them. Jesus sees us, and he feeds us. And if we'll receive that in our lives, if we can see his example, not only do we understand he does that for us, but we now get to do that for others. That we get to see them, and we're supposed to feed them. You know, people are starving. And I'm not just talking about food, which we should give people food when they're hungry. I'm talking about they're starving spiritually. And we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But if we're stuck and we're, we're focused on our own grief and our own pain, we cannot see them and we cannot feed them. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He says, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. We want to do that. I want to do that. Because he did it for me. I want to do it for others. Don't you? Don't you today? All right, let's keep reading in um, Matthew 14, verses 24 through 33. And I'm going to wrap it up real quick. It says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Okay, so he, right before that, remember, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, when he had set the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, or we could say he was finally alone. And he was, he was, I believe, being ministered to by the Lord, by God, his Father, because he was grieving. He was grieving. And it says this in verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, Tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, which would be like shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them. So I could just imagine Jesus like up on the mountain praying. He's receiving from God. He's, you know, just his heart is being, I believe, just encouraged. And, the, and he, see, he sees out on this. Somehow he had the vantage point to see out there where the guys were in the boat and these wind and waves. And on the fourth watch, just shortly before dawn, all right, Jesus walks out to them on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come, everybody say come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw 
that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It's so powerful. Jesus told Peter to come because Peter had his eyes on Jesus. And he's like, if you can do it, I know I can do it because you're doing it. So that's where his faith was at. He's like, he's out there on the water. I, I bet I can do it. And so Jesus says to him, come. Step out. He stepped out in faith and believed God. And you know what? It worked. Did Peter really walk on the water? That's what the Bible says. Did Peter really walk on the water? That's what the Bible says. He really did. He stepped out of that boat and he started walking to Jesus. And it worked until Peter saw something different. See, because he was looking at Jesus. But then it says he saw that the wind was boisterous and he was afraid. Fear gripped his heart and beginning to sink. Right? So Peter saw the wind and the waves and became afraid and started to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And I just want to note a couple things here. It's super important when we see wind and waves to get our eyes back on Jesus. Because the wind and the waves, when they start causing fear, you know you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Right? Wind and waves are always going to... If you look just at the wind and waves, there will be fear that comes. You look at the storm of life that's coming at you, the enemy attacking you, the battle you're facing. You look at your bank account, there's a relationship problem. There, if you got your eyes on that, it's going to bring fear. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're not going to sink. But I love this. It says, but, but when Peter saw the wind and waves and became afraid and started to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And that's another point. Lord, when I am going through something and I feel like I'm starting to sink and I become afraid, what must you do? Cry out to the Lord. Because what did Jesus do? Immediately, the Bible says he grabbed him. He caught him immediately when he cried out. And you know what? So much of the time, we wait to cry out because we're trying to figure it out ourselves. We're trying to fix it ourselves. We're trying to, right? Or we're just sitting in fear, letting this thing grip us and hold us captive when Jesus says, cry out to me and I'll save you. I'll intervene. Ooh, I love this. Because immediately when we cry out, Jesus will catch us. And my third point today is that Jesus leads us. If we can keep our eyes on him, especially in the storms, not only will we not be afraid, but we'll definitely not sink. We won't sink. And I want to remind you of the good shepherd today in Psalm 23. 
This is all about the good shepherd. This is all about Jesus. I want to read this from a different uh, translation. It's the good news. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right paths as he has promised. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff protect me. You prepare a banquet for me where all my enemies can see me. You welcome me as an honored guest and fill my cup to the brim. I know that your goodness and love will be with me all my life, and your house will be my home as long as I live. Listen, Jesus does not lead us into trouble. He leads us through trouble. John 10, 9 through 11, it says this, I am, and this is Jesus talking here, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not, doesn't that sound like a shepherd? The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. See, he leads us into life more abundantly. But it takes us losing our lives to find it. In Matthew 16, 25, David shared this last week. And I really believe this all ties in. You know, that, that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's what he does. Matthew 16, 25, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And if we want what Jesus has for us, it's going to take surrender and sacrifice. It's going to take being inconvenienced and uncomfortable. Even on the darkest days. Like Jesus, we need to see, feed, and lead others to him. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but on my hardest day, that's not been my track record. On my hardest days, I, I, I want to be alone. I don't, I don't want to go love people. I don't want to go lead people to Jesus. But I believe God's challenging us for such a time as this. You know, we could have been born at any time, but we were born now for this time. And God truly, truly has a destiny and a plan for every one of us. And it is to live the abundant life. It is not to barely get by, but it's going to take us surrendering to get it. It's, it, it, it's contrary <laughs> to what we think. So many of us are in this, like, you know, this rat race. And I feel like it's so, 
It's so the enemy to keep us there. Like, yeah, you have to do this because it's just the way things are. You have to do this because... No, no, you, you get to serve and love Jesus. Therefore, your life is different than everyone else's. It's what he says it is. Nobody and nothing can stop his plan for our lives. Just us. <laughs> We're the only ones who dictate that. But Jesus said, if you'll find your life for my sake, I mean, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. It is a promise. So let's see. Let's see the lost hurting and broken and be moved with compassion to bring them healing and hope. Let's feed people like actual food and then the spiritual food. And you know what? There's a time for being alone. That's not what I'm saying is that God doesn't want to see. Of course, he wants us to be alone. That's where we get charged up. That's where Jesus got refueled and filled up. So there's a time for that. But let's remember it's not about us. It's about him. And let's lead. Let's step out and trust him when he says, come. And let's lead others in that. Will we sink? Well, if we get our eyes off Jesus, maybe a little. But what happens when we cry out to him? Immediately. Immediately. He catches us. So in my, in my opinion, we cannot fail. And it's not just my opinion. It's the truth. We can't fail when we do it this way. His way works. His way works. And I pray that that encourages your heart today. I pray that the Lord would minister it deeply to you. It's simple. But Jesus was pretty simple. And we have this treasure we have this treasure of the word of God and if you just open it up and read it he'll show you what to do and he'll change you well I hope you enjoyed the podcast today and if you did I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show that way the most recent episode will always be in your feed ready when you are God bless you and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast